this age of exponential technology, stress is up, children are hurting, adults are hurting. More often than not, self-care is pushed to the side, not a priority, and lack of willpower to adopt health habits. I am Chris Ategeka. Welcome to Unintended Consequences of Technologies, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be fully aware and listening to your body. Our topic today is stress. For the purposes of this podcast, we will partly talk about stress in the age of exponential technology, development, and usage. We'll also discuss stress in our lives in general. I'm very, very excited about our guest today, Dr. Hamily Patel. She is a practicing doctor of internal medicine. She is also a clinical assistant professor at Stanford Hospital. She specializes in preventative medicine, specifically in the field of nutrition, resilience, and mindfulness. Her personal mission is to bring awareness of the effects of stress, lack of exercise, and poor nutrition, and the role it plays in the development of chronic diseases. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm excited to have you, and I'm really excited about our chat today. So we can just dive right in. Um, Sure. Who is Dr. Patel? You gave a pretty good intro there. Thank you. Uh, I have been interested in medicine for a very long time. Um, I'm board certified in internal medicine, and my goal and my passion is to really help people own our own health using simple lifestyle modifications that can lead to optimal wellness. So my goal is to really help patients realize their Mm. ability to make positive, healthy changes and help guide them through this transformation to achieve successful results. Um, I have a big passion uh, and interest in lifestyle medicine, specifically from how our lifestyle and our environments can lead to chronic diseases, but how you can make positive changes in lifestyle with nutrition, uh, fitness, and mindfulness uh, to help combat chronic diseases such as diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, rheumatologic issues as well. We're definitely going to dive right into all Yay. that. I'm excited. Uh, just just to step back a little bit, the audience who would love to learn more about you individually, you know, what is your story? How did you get here? From, sure. You know, I was born here, went to school there, you know, that kind of story is always very fascinating to me. Yeah, of course. So I was actually born in London, England, and then my parents moved us to Santa Cruz, California, of all places. Um when I was about 10. And so I pretty grew pretty much grew up in Santa Cruz, which is an amazing place. I highly recommend everyone oh, yeah. to visit. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um, and uh, I'm Indian descent. And, uh, you know, a lot of South Asians face diseases such as diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol. And my passion for nutrition primarily stemmed from seeing some family members of mine go through the negative effects of being diagnosed with diabetes and really just their physicians giving them medications, but not really giving them a chance to change their lifestyle before giving them medications. Um, 
type two diabetes is a, a disease that occurs um, later on in life and is largely uh, secondary to issues related to lifestyle, poor diet. And instead of making dietary changes, most people turn to medications primarily given by their physicians. Mm. Um, and this can be a little bit frustrating and uh can actually lead to some negative sentiments from patients in that, you know, you go into the doctor and you think you're going to get a healthy checkup. All of a sudden they say, hey, you have diabetes. And then they give you medications for the most part. And, you know, handing someone medications and being told that that's what they're going to be on for the rest of the life is really upsetting to the patient and is really disempowering. And mm. Seeing that and watching family members go through that um, really had a profound effect on my life, specifically when my grandmother passed away from complications of type 2 diabetes. And I think I just saw that was like a turning point when I was probably like 15 or 16. And I really started to delve into why people get this, how, it, how it's caused, and then realize that a lot of it has to do with nutrition and lack of exercise, actually be or lifestyle issues that could largely be modified um, if given the right chance. And so I didn't, I wasn't intending to go to medical school. Actually, I went to UC Berkeley and uh, majored in economics and I wanted to be a lawyer. But as a hobby, which sounds kind of strange, I became really interested in nutrition. I would put even my uh, family members on these diet plans and they would start to see that their numbers would improve, you know, just simply by altering their diet and some of them were able to come off of their blood pressure medications and their diabetes medications and just the looking at them and, and seeing how empowered they felt in making those changes on their own kind of led me to really want to think about a career in medicine specifically to impact my patients in that way. And then, you know, also seeing the effects that it had just on my own nutrition was pretty profound in my productivity. And um, that was probably really the turning point that made me decide late in my college career, like the end of my junior year, that I really wanted to go to medical school so that I could empower patients in this way and not have them rely solely on medications. Fantastic. Wow. Um, absolutely. I would love to learn more and hear more about any uh, interesting statistics that may be out there. Uh, like today, we live in the age of exponential technology and this podcast specifically is about the unintended consequences of those uh, technologies. Um, so we live in the age where people are work, 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 and 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 make money, but at the expense of their their body and their livelihood. So, uh, are there any interesting statistics you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. So, I mean, I guess as it relates to this podcast, stress as it relates to technology and the unintended consequences of stress and technology, um, the American Psychological Association produces this survey uh, on the state of America, the stress in America for 2017. And it shows women on average have always reported higher stress levels than men. Mm. Older adults, 72 plus years of age, on average, have had the lowest stress levels amongst the generation. Interestingly, but not surprisingly, millennials, which is a group that I feel very passionate about because I am one, uh, continue to have the highest reported stress levels amongst the different age demographic groups. And then in regards to stressors, social media ranks high. In 2014, I believe it ranked as one of the top seven and it was on the bottom. Now it's probably one in the top three. 
which is pretty huge. And for nearly one in 10 Americans, about 9% of Americans, a news check-in at least every hour is the norm. And in one in five Americans, about 20% say they check their social media constantly, which is a significant increase from the 17% who did that in 2016. Another interesting statistic is that, uh, so the American Psychological Association has termed people who, who are checking social media that frequently, uh, there's a term for them and they're called constant checkers. And constant <laughs> checkers. Yes, constant checkers. <laughs> Ironic name. Ironic name, yeah. But half of Americans, about 43%, nearly half of Americans admit they constantly check their social media. And uh, on a stress level of a 10-point scale, 5.3 of the those reports stress when they're checking their social media. And people who always respond to work emails, even on weekends, had a 6.0 stress level on a 10-point scale. So it's actually pretty interesting. I mean, social media is definitely playing a role in, in how we deal with stress and, and, our, and our causes of stress, the factors that make up our stressors, um, which is pretty interesting. And, and what I found fascinating myself as I was looking up some of these statistics, it's, it's the idea that folks who are developing the technology is experiencing stress from a different level where they're mm-hmm. most of the time head down trying to build whatever technologies they're passionate about. And then there is the users on the other end who are also, uh, you know, getting stress from the consumption of these technologies which is very fascinating yeah um so let's dive in in, into your work like what are you working on now and 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 you know tell our listeners uh what you're working on that's uh combating the problem of stress yeah so i work in an inpatient setting um seeing patients in the hospital and i also work in an outpatient setting seeing patients out in clinic and out at various companies where um i see a lot of uh, people in the tech industry coming in to see me for you know different issues, but a lot of them are related to stress, even though they may not know that it's related to stress. Mm. And so, part of what I really like to do with my patients is really talk about lifestyle modifications as it pertains to reducing stress levels, because we're seeing a lot more the unintended consequences of stress, such as early onset of diabetes, early onset of high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And really, I mean, there's two types of stress that I always like to talk to people about. One is acute stress. And Mm. that stress can actually be pretty good. It's our fight or flight response. It's um, how we tackle things in an immediate time. If there's a threat to us, we can, our bodies and our brains can go into this fight or flight response and we can try and get ourselves out of it. When that host of hormones that kind of help aid in that, your cortisol levels go up, your growth hormones go up, but very rapidly, those hormones kind of balance back out and come back down. And that doesn't really seem to affect us in any sort of way. And you can be a little bit more productive when that happens. Mm. With chronic stress, that's acute stress that's left uncontrolled. And that actually causes an increase in all of these different hormones that change your metabolism, but they never come back down and they don't get a chance to rebalance. And so the body now is at this state of disequilibrium. And you see a whole host of health issues that can occur if left unchecked. And so it's really the chronic stress that we need to get a hold of. and it's a chronic stress that most people don't realize until it's too late that they're going through. Wow. Um, and the numbers are really staggering of people going through that. Um, 
so was this obvious to you like how did you, did you just stumble upon it or did you just you know you're working one day you're like huh this seems interesting i'm gonna go this direction yeah i mean it's interesting i think when i was in i mean obviously medical school and residency is really stressful and i don't think i quite understood how stressful um, medical school was going to be especially because i decided to go kind of last minute and i went with this idea that oh you know physicians must be healthy, they must be taking care of themselves. And I'm going to be this physician who shows my patients how to take care of themselves from a lifestyle standpoint. When I got to medical school, I realized that a lot of physicians are not healthy. And you're kind of faced with, you know, the stress of studying till all ends of night, um, not sleeping that well, you're eating whatever you can get your hands on because it's fast eating. And, um, if I think for the first couple months, I kind of fell in this behavior. And I came from a pretty healthy background, just learning about nutrition on my own in college. And I started to feel really bad and mm. tired, and I just wasn't productive. And all of a sudden, I was kind of like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to be a walking contradiction to what I'm trying to preach to my patients. And um, so I started to kind of self-hack my way through uh my own kind of stress. So it was, okay, don't pull all nighters and see how you feel. Eat really healthy and see if that makes a difference on your energy levels. And it did. It made a huge difference on my energy levels, prioritizing my personal life and also figuring out a balance for me in terms of making sure I'm studying and, and being productive at work was really important. And that kind of just bled into residency. Residency, you're pretty much working seven days a week and 18 hour shifts sometimes or 24 hour shifts at that point. And, you know, it's really important at that time when you're, when other people's lives depend on you to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And so it really stemmed from me trying to figure out how best to take care of myself in order to take care of the others around me. And then realizing that actually it's not just people in the medical field that are going through this, but also my friends who work in tech and my friends who are lawyers kind of all go through this, you know, constant levels of stress where they just don't feel right. And so that's kind of what led me to really look into the research on this. And then you know, just by friends asking me like, hey, I'm having this issue, what can I do? And Or friends saying, you know, I went to the doctor and they gave me this for my ulcer and had some medication, but really not changing their lifestyle at all was something that was really upsetting to me because I think that, you know, at least everyone should be given a chance to make those modifications without the need of medications before they need to turn to medications. Yeah, there is somebody who's making a lot of money selling those medications. Yes. Uh, and that's why it continues to, you know, uh, be prescribed the way it is. Uh, what would you say needs to be done in order to kind of think preventative as opposed to prescription? Yeah, I mean, I think always the biggest thing is to listen to your patients. Well, making lifestyle changes is a difficult thing and not everyone's cut out for it. And so... I think really assessing and listening to the goals of what your patient wants is the biggest thing because if they're not ready to make that lifestyle change, then there definitely is a role for medication. But by and large, most people want to be given the opportunity to make those changes. And it may be that you're also supplementing with medications and uh, until the changes can be made completely or they're on a minimal amount. But I think really the biggest key is to listen to your patients, to really figure out where they're coming from, and then also educating providers because 
a lot, uh, not a lot, but there are providers that really just don't know how to prescribe lifestyle medicine. A lot of providers, we're not taught in medical school proper nutrition and how patients can utilize it in their day to day. So there's a lack of knowledge in the field, not through any fault of, of any institution, but I think just, you know, in terms of the emphasis is different on um, basic nutrition that a lot of, a lot of providers just don't know. And so I think it's also educating providers on how they can help their patients make these changes and really kind of those two things go hand in hand. Fantastic. Um, so what, what are the misconceptions in this field? I think a lot of misconceptions is that, uh, oh, it's easier something done to help relieve stress and um, that stress can only be managed if you're, if you don't work, actually not working can cause more stress. And then specifically in the medical field, that stress can be managed by taking certain medications or you must be anxious and therefore take a medication for your anxiety. And I don't think you, I think it it's a much more multimodal approach where there's some behavioral modifications and then there's just some simple changes that people can do at least to lessen the degree of stress. I mean, you face stress every day. Everybody does. The key is to make sure that it's not getting to the point where it's causing negative effects. And so, you know, simple breathing tricks can actually help reduce your stress levels in really stressful situations. And, and you know, going for walks can actually be really helpful or taking a lap around your office can be a huge mental break. And so I think, you know, and you can break it down in much smaller pieces so that it doesn't become so overwhelming. And you almost then go, go slow to go fast. So your job is basically to teach people how to structure the environment and kind of increase their likelihood of making healthy choices at any given time, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I take care of acute things as well. But by and large, I, I like to really advocate this type of food as medicine type of lifestyle approach where you can really, especially for younger people who may not have, may not be diagnosed with certain diseases yet, but are on that mm. trajectory. It's how can you really change that now so that you're not faced with this stuff later on? Because I see it on both ends. I see patients who come into the clinic who may be just being diagnosed with some of this stuff. And I see patients who come into the hospital with complications of end stage issues related to these things. And so, and I think that's why I like the balance of my job is that I see it from the very extreme to, you know, just getting started and so, and everything else in between. And so, um, and it's really debilitating. And I think that's the most upsetting when you get to that point where you're coming into the hospital because of complications secondary to these chronic diseases, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty sad, sad sight to see. So, you know, some people may be in denial, you know, that you mentioned uh, early about acute stress versus chronic stress. Mm -hmm. So some individuals may be in denial and they think, you know, this is temporary, it will go away. Uh, and so what are the some of the physical symptoms of stress, specifically chronic stress? Yeah, so some symptoms that people feel are um, like they have an upset stomach, they feel tired all the time. They're just like, oh, I just don't know. I just feel tired all the time. They come in with headaches. Um, muscle tension is sometimes a sign of stress, like especially if you carry it in your shoulders, you just are always kind of constantly um, fiddling around with your shoulders. Uh, that's definitely a sign. Change in appetite. 
a lot of times and lately, a lot of physicians now are seeing teeth grinding, especially dentists are seeing teeth grinding. People grind their teeth at night because they're so stressed out and they're coming in with all sorts of issues related to their to tension in their jaw uh, called TMJ issues. And people sometimes have changes in, in weight gain, changes in sex drive, feeling dizzy, feeling lightheaded. A lot of people can cite irritability or anger, feeling nervous, lack of energy. Sometimes you feel as if you want to cry. Those are symptoms of um, physical and psychological symptoms of stress. So there's some people who are really stressed and they may eat too much or they may eat too little or sleep too much or too little. Uh, sometimes spend lots and lots of time on digital devices or watching television. Uh, and, and some of those cycles can be really difficult to escape from. Um, so what are some of the tips you may have for someone who may be listening to us right now and they are struggling with chronic stress? Sure. Well, first of all, take a deep breath because it's going to be okay and you're not alone. A lot of people, most people face this uh, type of issue. And I think it's just really important to be gentle on yourself and don't give yourself such a hard time because the more upset you get about being stressed, the more, the worse your symptoms are going to be and the worse the outcome is going to be. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is make a game plan. So I always advocate for a daily routine. I think that we don't emphasize that enough. So even if it's scheduling 10 minutes to yourself in the morning before you start your day or 10 minutes aside in your day just for yourself where you're not on social media, where you're not doing anything work-related, but you're just doing things that kind of quiet your mind is huge. And it's really empowering and it can make you feel in some where you're giving so much to others. And it's additive. So first you may start with three minutes, three minutes may turn into five minutes, five minutes may turn into 10 minutes, and ideally 10 minutes turns into 20, 30, 40, 50, and all of a sudden you're at an hour. And it may seem like, oh my gosh, I have no time to do this. But what you'll notice is that over time, you're actually going to get a lot more done and you're going to be more productive in your day by giving yourself a little bit of personal time. And studies mm. have shown this over and over again. And you know, it's been quoted in a lot of leadership books as well, that if you go slow, you'll actually go fast. And it's a sense of just getting familiar with yourself, getting comfortable with yourself to then get comfortable with your surroundings. You're able to get things done faster and more efficiently versus feeling so scattered in the morning because, or during your day because you haven't taken that time for yourself that you're doing 10 different things and you're doing them poorly and you're never getting anywhere. And it's almost just like you're running on this treadmill constantly and you can't get off. And so really setting aside some time, and again, just even if it's two minutes to start off with, it's those two minutes that you wouldn't have taken for yourself otherwise. And that actually can make a big impact on your stress, but also just on your mind. And it's actually a form of mindfulness. So, you know, even if you're going out to lunch, leaving your phone in your office or putting your phone in your back pocket and setting a timer. So from now until, you know, 1230 or 1245, I'm not going to pull out my phone and I'm just going to observe my surroundings and just go for a walk to get my lunch, sit down, eat my lunch and set your phone on timer so that, you know, if you feel like you, you have to be on it, you know that that time's going to be up, but you'll start to notice that you you'll, you'll react to things a little bit 
uh, more positively, you'll become a little bit more optimistic. And um, these feelings of burnout or dissociation from your work or fatigue, they'll start, slowly start to dissipate. So um, I think those are the two things. And then making sure that you're staying hydrated throughout the day. I think a lot of us run to go get coffee or run to go get another espresso, but um, staying hydrated throughout the day will actually help keep your energy levels elevated, making sure mm. you're, you're not eating something super heavy for lunch where you know, you're going to kind of drag for the rest of the day is going to be important. And then any chance you get, you know, getting up every few, every couple hours to take a little bit of a walk is really helpful. And then for those who are on their computer screen, I see a lot of patients who come in with issues with their eyes and I'm seeing a lot more eye strain issues lately. And it's because a lot of us are on our screens constantly. So making sure that you're looking away every hour from your computer screen just to give your eyes a little bit of rest. And I even tell patients and clients, you know, set a timer on your phone so that it just beeps every hour, every couple hours so that you can actually give your eyes a break because we're not supposed to be looking at screens with that type of light all the time. Wow. Um, this is amazing. I can listen to you all day. I love listening <laughs> hey. to you. <laughs> There's uh, so much more. <laughs> I, I know. Uh <laughs> So how can uh, audience members find you? Uh, on you on social media or places they can find you online? Yeah, so um, right now you can find me uh, on my Instagram or uh, you can find me on Twitter under Dr. Hamali. Um, my website is currently under construction, but you can probably see me there at drhamali.com. And for any general questions that anyone may have, you can reach me at hamali.patel at gmail.com. Fantastic. So this has been the Unintended Consequences of Technologies, the podcast. And uh, we've been with Dr. Hamali Patel. And uh, thank you so much for being with us thank today. You. Appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.